welcome to the Compliance Collective Podcast. My name is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems, your compliance training specialists. Our aim is to bring you updates, tips, and important information regarding all things compliance. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kathy Lee, and Kathy is a food compliance guru. She is an auditor for several certification bodies and private large companies. She's also busy running her consulting business with her husband, David. She's an experienced food technologist of almost 40 years working in the field as a trainer, auditor, and consultant, as well as being an all-round helping hand for businesses. Today, Kathy joins us to discuss food safety and provide some insightful tips and uh, tricks for foodies. I'm so excited to have you, Kathy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Lauren. Nice to be here. Oh, that's good. So let's start off the bat. I think everyone loves food. Let's put it out there. I'm certainly a foodie, but I wanted to speak to you because... Food safety, it intrigues me, actually, and I think that this probably will intrigue many other people out there that are listening today. So let's start by saying uh, welcome, first of all, but what is food safety and how did it all come about? What's some of the history behind it all? Okay, so food safety is about making sure that all of the product that's available out there in the supermarkets, coming out of the ground, um, anything that we put in our mouths is not going to kill us, basically, in the simplest <laughs> terms. It's been around for obviously millions of years, you know, some, somewhere back in the dark ages, a caveman said, if I eat this, I'm going to die, but if I cook it and eat it, I won't. Yeah. So, you know, that's how, how it all started. Um, pretty straightforward objective right there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, probably when it comes to processed foods, mm. uh, 18th century, probably around the time of Napoleon Bonaparte, that was when he was um, trying to find a way to get food to his troops in a reliable manner that wasn't going to go off on the way. So he, he had a competition, actually, and he put out a cash prize for who could get food out to his people. Oh. So there was a gentleman called Nicholas Appert that um, after about 15 years of trying, he finally figured out that if he put it in a jar and preserved it, like like we do now with the Vigola, bo- Vigola bottling kits and all that sort of stuff, um, then he could make it last a lot longer than what it used to last. And so that was the beginning of it, really, from an industrial perspective. Yep, 15 years, that's a long time. And then, of course, we've had it in the 50s. Oh, sorry. No, I just said 15 years is a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the 50s, they started the manned space program. So some bright spark in NASA said, what are we going to do if the astronauts get food poisoning? And they went, oh, that's a good idea. We don't want that happening. Yes. So uh, Natty Laboratories and a company called the Pillsbury Company that a lot of people might have heard of, they, they got together and, and they built a program that built safety into the manufacture of the food. Okay. So they, it's what we call HACCP, Hazard Analysis yes. Critical Control Points. So HACCP sort of started back then. By 1969, it was adopted by uh, Codex, so it became an international guideline. It's not a standard as such, but it's a guideline. There's 12 steps on how you set up your 
food safety program so that you know at the end of it without having to test quality into it Mm -hmm. that you know the product's going to be um, safe. Yes, yeah. Yeah, over the years there's been lots of incidents. Uh, Some of your listeners might be old enough to remember uh, 1995. Yeah. We had a small goods outbreak, uh, an E. coli outbreak where we had – Oh, there was a whole bunch of people got sick. There was a four-year-old that actually died in Adelaide after yeah. eating this fermented salami product. Mm. Um, the children or the surviving victims that were children then are now adults and they've got ongoing issues because of this E. coli poisoning. And some of them have even had to have organ transplants oh, because of it. Wow. And that, yeah, it was, it was pretty... It shook the industry up. So the good thing about that was it prompted a revision of our legislation. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, um, our regulatory body, who is now called um, FISADS, Food Standards Australia New Zealand, they they weren't called that then, but they, they restructured, they re-regulated, they rewrote the laws, and around about 2000, food safety actually got written into our legislation. Mm. And so that's when all the laws came out, yep. That's when all the laws came out. That's when um, the basic principles of HACCP started being inputted into organisations throughout the throughout the country, really. So 2000, I know I know that's 20 years ago um, now, <laughs> but, scary, it still, it? <laughs> but it still seems quite late, doesn't it? Yeah, we were probably one of the, from developed countries, we were one of the later ones to introduce it. UK had already been doing it. America had sort of been having a go at it. But interestingly enough, it didn't take long for us to bypass all of the other countries, except New Zealand. New Zealand was ahead of us Mm. and probably still is to some extent. Mm. Um, But Australia and New Zealand work very closely together now, so it's not, Yes. It's not a competition. No, of course not. Um, yeah. What are some of the greatest issues that you have seen um, when you've been out there auditing? Probably the biggest issue, particularly in Australia, is that number of standards and regulations and requirements that are out there. It's a, it's a minefield. We've got uh, regulatory standards at all different levels. So we've got the federal government actually sets the standards each of the states monitor them in a different ways and we've got different bodies that do that so uh in victoria where i am it's um department of health and human services in new south wales it's the new south wales food authority we've got safe food queensland we've got um department of health in south australia or every state's got a different um way of regulating that and in some of the states they then put the councils in charge of actually going out and doing audits and and assessing the the food premises to make sure that they're up to speed Mm. Uh, some of those states employ independent auditors like myself to go and do those audits some of them do it all themselves so everybody does it a little bit differently and that brings a huge challenge for an organisation that makes food and sells it in three or four different states. Oh, wow. That they have slightly different requirements in each state. Yeah. Or they could have, depending upon the product. Hmm. Yeah. And then we've got the the auditable standards, the ones where you can put your logo on your product. Uh, You can put your logo on the website and tell everybody how good you are. So they've got 
um, basic HACCP requirements. All of the retailers have their own requirements. So we've got Woolworths and Coles and Aldi and Costco, uh, lots of second-party audits, McDonald's, Spotless. So if you're supplying into these companies, you need to meet their requirements. And then we've got what we call higher-level standards, GFSI, Global Food Safety Initiative. Um, they've benchmarked a whole bunch. I know it's a, it's a plethora of acronyms in the food industry. <laughs> it's the ABC standards. Uh, so... Just to add to those acronyms, the GFSI have benchmarked a whole bunch of standards against each other, and the three most popular in Australia are BRC, the British Retail Consortium, SQF, and FSSC 22000. Oh, my food gosh. safety standard. I can't even remember what those stand for. <laughs> so, And they're all similar. Yeah. They've got different specific requirements, but they're similar because they've been benchmarked against each other. So it does become tricky for people when they first come into the industry to go, oh, my God, there's all these letters. What? Which letters do I need? <laughs> wow. And I suppose, like, businesses must be banging their head against a brick wall or, you know, just to get their heads around. And I suppose that's why they probably import, employ people to deal with that part and to work that's with their business. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it becomes really tricky. And they say, okay, we're going to do BRC. So they get the standard, they read it, they implement what needs to be done. And Woolworths says, well, that's okay, but we also want you to do this. So then Cole says, well, that's good, but if Woolworths wants this, then we'd like you to have that. Mm, mm. So many different layers. I was doing an audit yesterday where they were doing some some activities that were beyond what the standards asked them for. And I said, oh, why are you doing that? Oh, we have a customer that required us to do that we know we don't have to by law we know we don't have to by the standards but the customer wants it so therefore Hmm. the customer is always right from a consumer's point of view it's a a massive win for us yeah it is Mm. it's a good thing you know Mm. it we still have issues Mm. we still have recalls we still have outbreaks but they're less severe if that's yeah a, a relevant term. Um, most of our recalls that we have are labelling issues. Uh, wrong product in the wrong packaging, undeclared allergens. So if you're an allergen sufferer, which a lot of people are, yes. that's a big deal. Mm. But for the majority of the population, it's they'll look at it and go, oh, I don't care. Mm. Yeah. There you go. So what are some of the common threats um, in the food industry that businesses need to be aware of? do you think? Probably the biggest threat at the moment is around food fraud. Food fraud? Food fraud. Hmm. Yeah. So um, food fraud's relatively new when it comes to auditing and, and standards, but it's been recognised that there's huge, um, huge issues with people adulterating or substituting product. We're finding, particularly with COVID around, people can't get the raw material supply that they used to get. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, oh, well, instead of doing this, I'll add a bit of that. Nobody will ever know the difference. Mm -hmm. And we've had some some food safety issues around that, and we've had some other issues that are not. Um, So you might remember back in 2008, we had a case of melamine being put into milk, uh, infant formula, milk powder. Uh, there was 
six babies killed and there was about 300,000 that were sick because of this issue. So melamine is a a chemical that they were adding into the milk powder because it boosted the protein level. Mm. They didn't have to put as much milk powder in because this, when when it was tested, it showed that it had a high protein level so it was good for you and it met all the requirements and it went undetected for quite some time. Wow. Slightly more recent one was the horse meat scandal, mm-hmm. if you remember that one, where they, uh, in parts of Europe, they were saying it was beef, but it was actually horse meat. Now, that wasn't a food safety issue as such, because you can eat horse meat. You know, it's not a not a drama. In some countries, it's, it's fairly normal. Mm. But it was uh, getting a cheap cut of meat and labelling it as a more expensive cut and selling it as something more expensive. So... Fraud is around deliberate attempts to to make money. It's usually economically driven. Mm. Uh, 2016, I don't know if you remember on TV, there was a big thing about oregano. They tested all the oregano from various stores and they found an awful lot of it was um, not fully oregano. Oregano's got such a strong odour that they were putting other leaves in there that olive leaves and sumac and things, different different cheaper leaves mm. because nobody could pick it up because of the strong odour of what oregano was in there. They do, that's happened with um, pepper as well oh. because, again, it's a really strong odour and a really strong flavour. So if you put something else in there, you wouldn't necessarily taste it or pick it up. Mm. So these things that you're talking about, especially with the oregano and the pepper, that's been picked up as a result of audits or... Uh, or testing, or yeah, yeah, mm. and then there's fake registrations out there. You get products that, again, it's not necessarily a food safety issue, but it could be a philosophical issue for some people. Um, stuff labelled as organic that's not organic. Mm. Stuff labelled as halal or kosher that's not halal or kosher. Yeah, it technically won't make you sick, but it's not what you believe it to be. Mm. Gosh. And then, of course, there's adulteration, uh, it's deliberate adulteration, uh, the needles in the strawberries. Yes, that was yeah. horrendous. Yeah, and that was a disgruntled employee who, yeah. you know, wanted to get back at their employer, so they put the needles in, and then there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of copycat activities after that, people wanting their five minutes of fame on the TV. Wow. Mm, that's some sad cases, isn't it? Um is this sort of typical of what you've seen out there um, when auditing? Interestingly enough, I've never actually seen any of that. I've, I've never seen it happen. I, I hear the reports of the news like everybody else hears the reports of the news. The stuff that I come across is a lot more mundane than that. They're, they're the scary ones. They're the ones that freak people out. Yeah, the yes. things I see are, you know, poorly maintained equipment, mm. um, cleaning not being done when they say it's going to be done. Mm. Um, pest control issues, you know. Uh, there was one that I, I an audit I did recently where there was a mouse running around the, the facility. and Whilst you, you were know, doing we were the paying, audit. Whilst I was doing the audit. Now, it was a sort of facility, it was, it was a country shed type thing yeah. uh, where you expect there to be mice, but you don't expect it to be in the factory. Yes. You know, you expect it to be outside somewhere. <laughs> so... Um, I remember a, a colleague of mine telling a story about being in a, 
uh, in a factory and she asked for a door to be opened and as they opened this door in the machine there was mice running around eating drop product oh, and she sort of freaked out mm, um you know years ago i had a i had a auditor call me um in, in a previous job saying i'm not sure what i should do and i said well what's your problem well, there's this open vat of yogurt and there's a pigeon sitting on the edge of the open vat, tail in. <laughs> okay, so we'll stop the audit right now and we'll call the health department. <laughs> Just the tail, and though. we won't be buying that brand of yogurt anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. <laughs> I bet the now, we do see different. some beauties. Yeah. Um, Probably the, the other thing is records not being kept. So okay. we need to have records of everything we do with the industry. You know, you need proof mm. of, of what you did. If you end up in a court of law, you need to be able to prove that you tried to do the right thing. So if people are not keeping their records, yes. not signing them off, uh, filling them in after the, the fact, yeah, you know, there's all, all sorts of issues we see, we see with records. And that's probably one of the, from a legal perspective, that could um, cause mm. a lot of pain. Absolutely. So what advice would you have to companies out there to ensure that they are meeting all of these, you know, very important requirements? Uh, my Probably my number one thing that I harp on to everybody about is internal audits. Mm-hmm. Do good internal audits. Don't rely on your external auditor to find your problems for you. Yes. If you spend a bit of extra time and really delve into your system, you know which closets your skeletons are in. Absolutely. The external auditors don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so get in there, dig those skeletons out, clean them up, mm-hmm. you know. Is there any advice out there for anyone thinking of becoming a food auditor? Um, you know, what would be some yeah, helpful don't. advice? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't hold back. No, no. Don't tell me what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just joking. Uh, food auditing is a lot of fun. It's... Uh, Probably the, the biggest thing is to get a lot of experience in different areas. So mm-hmm. if you want to be an auditor in the food industry, you have to have worked in the food industry. Yes. And you need to try and spread yourselves around. Once you've got your work experience, you think about your audit experience. Do lots of internal audits. Put your hand up and volunteer to do the internal audits. Get that practice. Do a good training course. Um, figure out what your niche is and concentrate on that well that's some great advice for anyone thinking of becoming an auditor i'll pop that in the show notes and um just before we go um what can takeoff consulting do for our audience so we we help organizations with their compliance requirements um be they certification requirements regulatory requirements standards we clarify requirements of the various standards um, develop management systems, help with the implementation, streamline and improve the existing systems, basically help people gain and maintain their certification. Um, we can improve efficiencies with it for organisations by removing complexity and we try and use lean principles to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with by conducting gap analyses and then we provide ongoing support, assist with internal audits and that sort of thing. We also run a, train, a suite of training programs. Mm-hmm. So they can relate to quality of food safety, business improvement, uh, ranging from fairly generic and simple to quite complex courses, the, most of which we tailor to meet the individual organisation's needs. Yep. 
Perfect. So All right. I'm sure we're there to help. <laughs> That's exactly it. Very good. And um, what we'll do is we'll pop all your details in the show notes so they can head to the website or connect with you on LinkedIn. All right. You're awesome. Thank Thank you. Thanks, Kathy, for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to answer, having a chat about food. It's been great. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you've found this episode helpful and informative. Please take a moment to hit subscribe. And if you know someone in the compliance field or someone who may just be interested in today's episode, please feel free to share. Be well, stay safe and happy auditing everyone.